Hello everyone, welcome back to the History of Africa podcast. I'm your host, Andy. Last episode, we took a critical look at the traditional stories of the Fazimba, the semi-mythical population of Austronesian people who ruled Highland Madagascar in the 14th, 15th, and even the early 16th century. One Vazimba village, Imerimanjaka, gradually increased in its size and power, enveloping several nearby settlements to become a small kingdom in its own right. Meanwhile, a group of people from the southeastern coast, largely from the free yeoman class known as Hova, began migrating into the highlands. When we left off, the Vazimba queen of Imeramanjaka, Nangita, bore two sons of mixed Vazimba and migrant heritage, and instructed them to share power in their new kingdom shortly before she died. This episode, we will see how those brothers' fraying relationship led to the earliest steps in the formation of the Marina Kingdom. Season 4, Episode 4, Andrea Manello, King of Alasora. One of the recurring themes of the show that has featured prominently since its earliest episodes is the treacherous question of where mythology ends and history begins. From these stories of Narmer's death, to the biography of Queen Gurit, to the Ballad of Bayajida, and of course to the Fasimba, the question of how much value students of history should put into mythology and legend has been an omnipresent motif. Today's episode will be no different. Keep in mind that as we go forward with the story of the brother kings of Imerimanjaka, we are in a transitional period, away from the realm of legendary semi-historical narratives, and on the verge of entering into territory that we can confidently call history. We will have plenty of time to reflect on the historicity of the story at the end of the episode, though. For now, let's get into the narrative of the brother kings. With their beloved mother slipping under the silver waters of a nearby lake, the brothers Andrea Manello and Andrea Mananetani were tasked with following her last will. Specifically, she told them, Andrea Manello, as the elder, will rule Thursday. Andrea Mananitani, the younger, will rule Friday. This last wish laid out clearly what the relationship between the two brothers should be. They would share power in a mostly equal manner, swapping out power day by day if necessary. However, by choosing to list Andrea Manello on the sooner date, Rangita additionally implied that, at least for now, the older son would be the senior partner in the relationship. Andrea Manantani would have his day, but at least for now, he should refer to his brother in times of disagreement. And when the time came for Andrea Manello to eventually pass, Andrea Manantani would not only rule, but it would be his son, not the children of Andrea Manello, who inherited the kingdom. At first, this compromise arrangement worked out as Rangita had planned. The brothers ruled peacefully, with Andrea Mananetani deferring to his older brother when disagreements arose. In the meantime, Andrea Manello expanded his kingdom through marriage, marrying a woman from a nearby small Hova kingdom named Ambohitrabibi, located a few dozen miles north of Imerimanjaka. The marriage was, at first, somewhat controversial, as his new wife birthed four stillborn children in a row clearly a bad omen. However, on their fifth try, Andrea Manello and his wife finally had a healthy baby boy, and soon after had another. The marriage to the princess of Ambohitravivi also expanded Andrea Manello's authority by a considerable margin, since when his father-in-law died, it was Andrea Manello who inherited his kingdom. While the early years of the brothers' arrangement went smoothly, over the next several years, Andrea Manello and his brother began to grow increasingly at odds. The specifics are not well documented, 
But mainline retellings generally presume that it was Andrea Mananitani's increasing ambitions, which laid at the heart of the growing animosity. Traditionally, the affair between the two is known by the name of the story of the fern that tried to outgrow the tree, with Andrea Mananitani, the younger brother, being the proverbial fern. Now, the exact story of what happened next is surprisingly vague for how important it is in the history of the Marina Kingdom, but the Tantara goes into shockingly little detail about it. On one day, Andrea Manello made the impactful decision to move his capital a few dozen miles north, from the hilltop of Imerimanjaka to another hilltop settlement, a village his uncle had recently established called Alasora. His reasons for moving his capital are, surprisingly, not speculated upon at all within the original text of the Tantara, though there are several extant narratives explaining his rationale. The most interesting explanation for Andre Manello's decision to move his capital revolves around a personal tragedy in the king's life. This tradition, as told by the keepers of an ancestral tomb in Alasora, revolves around a tragic accident involving Andre Manello's sons. Just before her passing, Rangita had approached Andrea Manello to teach him about an important ritual, the rite of Tsodrano. Tsodrano is a ritual, according to this telling of the myth, by which sacred ancestral wisdom and power was passed down to younger generations. One important element of Tsodrano involves the young men being circumcised, and then blessed water from the lake of Merimanjaka being used to clean the wound. Andrea Manello attempted the ritual on his two firstborn sons, but after the circumcision, failed to properly bless the water used to clean the wound, thus leading to his son's tragic early demise. This failure drove the king into a deep sorrow, which some have connected to his decision to leave the site of his failure and move to a new home. In Alasora, Andrea Manello sought out the wisdom of one of his Fasimba uncles, who showed him how to properly bless the water for the rite of Tsodrano. Later on, as we'll see in the next episode, Andrea Manello effectively applied what he learned when circumcising the next son he had, his last surviving child, Ralambo. Not only did the boy survive the ritual, but the power and knowledge of his ancestors were passed to him, instilling Ralambo with a gift of great wisdom. While the association between Andrea Manello and the creation of the Merina circumcision rituals is pretty well accepted in the canon of Malgasi history, the association between this tragedy and the decision to move his capital to Alasora is less well supported. The more common alternative explanation for Andrea Manello's moving of his capital relates to the issue of fortifications. You see, the town of Imerimanjaka had long hosted series of impressive walls and ditches, which did a great job of keeping the settlement safe from outside attack. On the other hand, these walls dramatically limited Andrea Manello's ambitious plans to expand his capital. One of the few details about this decision which is present in the Tantara is that it points out that Alasora was fairly unique among larger settlements in Andrea Manello's kingdom, and that, due to its newness, it lacked fortifications, which allowed the king to more freely expand this new city, and then begin building fortifications when he was done. Additionally, Alasora was located to the north, and was therefore closer to the territories which Andrea Manello had just acquired through his marriage. While we can't be entirely sure of the reasons behind his decision, we do know that Andrea Manello was not the only king of Imerimanjaka who was building a capital elsewhere. In the inciting incident to what would become an escalating feud, Andrea Malanitani was also establishing a capital city of his own. He humbly named his new project Andrea Manitra, 
meaning the village of God. The problems between the two brothers began when Andre Mananitani ordered the construction of a wall and moat surrounding his new capital. His brother's decision to begin building defenses so early in his town's construction was understandably concerning to Andre Manello. What were these new defenses supposed to be for, anyways? Alasora did not yet have defenses, so you could see how Andre Manello could get the impression that Andrea Mananitani was trying to give himself an advantage in the event that war between the two brothers broke out. Infuriated by his brother's martial building projects, Andrea Manello demanded that his brother abandon the walled settlement altogether. Andrea Mananitani, still apparently invested in maintaining his brother's goodwill, acquiesced. Andrea Manitra was abandoned, and he set up a new capital at another location. Appropriately, he named this town Ambohimanoa, translating to the village of submission. Despite the gesture of acquiescence, though, relations between the brothers did not improve. Even after the show of good faith, Andrea Maninitani soon revived his wall-building projects. Traditions of what happened next vary, with more charitable accounts claiming that the people of this new village, still loyal to Andrea Manello, decided to kill Andrea Maninitani in a vengeful effort to denounce his treacherous disobedience. Scholarly analysts of the legends are doubtful of this version, however, considering that an alternate telling in which Andrea Manello kills or orders the killing of his brother seems much more plausible. Regardless of which version of events is true, both versions of the story claim that Andrea Manello experienced a great deal of guilt following his brother's death. Besides the normal level of guilt you'd expect from, you know, killing a sibling, Andrea Manello was also weighed down by the guilt of betraying his late mother's wishes. She had ordered that the two share power, and that Andrea Mananitani and later his son would inherit the kingdom after his brother's rule ended. Andrea Manello had disobeyed his mother's will on all counts. That is, except one. While Andrea Mananitani was dead, Andrea Manello figured that he could still keep at least part of his mother's wish. His nephew, now an orphaned fugitive, was originally intended to inherit the throne after Andrea Mananitani's rule came to an end. But now that his father had, well, been murdered, the orphaned prince was no longer officially in the line to rule. To solve this problem and rectify his guilt, Andrea Manello arranged a creative and incestuous solution. Working as a strategic double matchmaker, the king arranged two marriages. For starters, Andrea Manello's sister would marry his nephew, Andrea Manitani's son. Then, when those two eventually produced a daughter of their own, that daughter was prearranged to marry Andrea Manello's son, Rolambo. Which, after working out the very confusing details, would mean that Rolambo married his cousin while simultaneously marrying his cousin once removed. As we'll see throughout this season, incestuous marriages among royalty and nobility were not unheard of in Imerina, though it is worth noting that incest was and is viewed as a very antisocial taboo in Malgasy culture, with incest committed with the foreknowledge of family relations considered especially offensive. With this in mind, Andrea Manello must have had to work pretty hard to convince not only his son, but also his sister and nephew to all go along with this incestuous plan. And, despite its uncouth nature, the plan worked. The king ensured that his son was allowed to rule in the future, while he technically also kept the oath that he made to his mother by allowing Andrea Mananitani's line to also rule. To the king of Alasora, 
even pressuring his own family to commit unthinkable levels of incest, was preferable to lying to his mother. After completing this dynastic loophole, Andrea Manello declared that his mother's system of succession, in which the older son would rule, but the younger son would produce the heir, would be the norm for the rest of time. This system, known as Fanjaka Arendra, or Arranged Succession, would not necessarily hold up through the ages. With specific loopholes and succession disputes, ensuring that the Marina perception of dynastic succession would not remain static. With the threat of his brother out of the picture, and his line of succession now secured well into the future, Andrea Manello could now focus on ruling his growing kingdom. The main issue on the table now was securing the loyalty of his most troublesome subject. Like every story involving Fasimba, the exact nature of what happened next varies from retelling to retelling in dramatic fashion. However, the story typically starts in the same way. While Andrea Manello had successfully established his rule over the Hofa in his lands, many Fasimba refused to properly recognize his rule. Even in settlements within the heart of his kingdom, Fasimba locals refused to pay proper homage and, perhaps more importantly, often even refused to pay tribute. We don't know much about the system of tribute payments that existed under Andrea Manello's rule, but given later developments and reforms under his son and grandson's reign, the taxation system is generally assumed to have been somewhat ad hoc, resembling more of a general agreement to provide goods and services to the king in exchange for protection. The Fasimba people living under the yoke of Alasora did not accept this system, and often refused to pay up or even recognize Andrea Manello's lordship over their settlements at all. The town of Anlamanga, located in the dead center of the Alasora kingdom, was particularly stubborn in their resistance. Their refusal to pay tribute eventually escalated to the point of war, with the Fasimba believing that the sturdy walls and moats surrounding their town would protect them from any attack Alasora could muster. They thought wrong. Andrea Manello's army, using iron-tipped spears and arrows, easily overpowered the Fasimba and their clay weapons. Where the story begins to diverge is what happened to the Fasimba of Analamanga after this initial battle. Even the Tantara itself does not endorse an official version, and instead shares two. In one, the people of Analamanga are overpowered and slaughtered in their entirety marking the beginning of a campaign of mass genocide against the Fasimba within Andrea Manello's kingdom. The other version, which for the record gels far better with later accounts of Merina history and is therefore taken more seriously by scholars, is that the people of Analamanga were defeated and the survivors were forced to disperse in multiple different directions. From there, the refugees brought their hostility towards Andrea Manello and his descendants with them wherever they went, integrating into the neighboring Hofa communities and, by extension, turning them against the future Merina kingdom. Additionally, there are some traditions which link these same Fasimba refugees to various hunter-gatherer groups which live throughout Madagascar until this very day, claiming that the Fasimba fleeing Andrea Manello and his descendants formed the original populations of the various hunting and gathering populations throughout the highlands. On the other hand, a completely different version of the story claims that Andrea Manello didn't even defeat the Fasimba at Analamanga at all. Rather, Andrea Manello emerged victorious in the initial fighting, but when he tried to besiege their well-fortified stronghold, he was unable to breach their walls and turned back. Regardless of which version you believe, in this retelling of events, Arnalamanga resisted not only throughout the entirety of Andrea Manello's rule, but would continue to act as a thorn in the side of his descendants as well. 
Regardless of which version you believe, all retellings make it clear that the struggle between the Hofa and Fasimba was far from over. Andrea Manello, despite being best known for his reputation as the conqueror of the Fasimba, was in fact recorded as only taking the first steps in a long series of conflicts. We'll be back after a quick break. How are University of Notre Dame faculty and students working to be a force for good in the world? Listen to Notre Dame stories to find out. Through expert interviews and captivating stories, listeners gain an inside perspective on the global and domestic challenges the university is working to solve. Subscribe to Notre Dame Stories wherever you get your podcasts. Apart from his success in expanding the kingdom and establishing its rules of succession, Andrea Manello is also typically credited with key technological and cultural achievements. The king is typically credited with being the first person to introduce ironworking to the Malgasy Highlands, the first ruler to order the construction of large tombs, and the origin of the wedding traditions of giving gifts to the bride's family. Perhaps the most interesting innovation attributed to Andrea Manello, though, is Sikiri. Sikiri is a practice in which, through the use of a combination of tamarind seeds and complex Boolean algebra formulas, one can tell the future. If you want to learn more about this form of Malagasy magical mathematics, or if you just want to pay us back a little for the work that goes into this free education we put out, you can check out our new premium episode on the topic of Sikili by supporting the show at patreon.com slash historyofafrica. And to those already supporting us, a heartfelt thank you. So, with that entire narrative out there, what can we actually say for certain about the reign of Andre Manello? After all, I did mention that his reign exists at the crossroads between legends and history. So, how seriously should we take these accounts of his reign? Outside of the writings in the Tantara and other recordings of Malgasy oral history, there is actually very little to substantiate much of the story, and plenty of stuff that is actively contradicted by archaeological evidence. For example, last episode we talked about how archaeological evidence has firmly demonstrated that yes, Fasimba people did have knowledge of metalworking. This contradicts two important elements of the story, that the Fasimba were defeated by Andrea Manello in large part due to their clay weapons, and the idea that he was the original introducer of ironworking to the Mangasi Highlands. I think you could make a fair point that the story was just exaggerating, and it's not that Andrea Manello was truly the first to introduce ironworking, but rather that he simply used the technology to a greater degree than his predecessors, including against his enemies. This explanation is plausible, but it also, you know, contradicts the story, which brings up the question of why we should take it seriously at all. Despite these issues, though, the existence of a king named Andrea Manello, who ruled in the Malagasy Highlands and acted as the predecessor of the Merina Kingdom, is not generally disputed among historians. This is because, of the oral tradition substantiating his existence, they are generally considered to be of pretty high quality and trustworthy variety. Not all oral histories are created equal. Oral history gets kind of a bad rep because people often assume that all oral histories are of the low-reliability variety, that they are easily susceptible to memory loss, embellishment, or hearsay. And in the case of some oral histories, like popular folklore or interviews with local laypeople, 
these objections are fair. On the other hand, oral histories passed down by well-organized, traceable lines of retelling are generally regarded with more prestige. This typically takes the form of histories preserved by a specific political or religious office, in which the ability to accurately and thoroughly remember, and then precisely recount the events of the oral history, are requisites to inherit the position. These oral histories, which often take the form of songs, epic poems, or other mnemonic devices to assist in their memorization, are often close to as reliable, or even equivalent in reliability, to written traditions, albeit a little bit harder to critically assess. And unlike the often variant tales of the Faha Fasimba, Andrea Manello's rule is typically when these histories begin to grow more consistent. That is why, like I said, Andrea Manello's rule is typically regarded as the gate between legend and history, and being the first figure on this podcast who doesn't warrant the label semi-historical. With all that said, though, there are some elements of his life that remain mysterious. For example, we don't actually know for certain when Andrea Manello reigned. Historians typically regard him as ruling sometime in the mid to late 16th century, but fringe estimates can sometimes put it as late as the 17th century or even as early as the late 15th century. This curious detail of, you know, the years of his rule are typically missing in these accounts. So all we can really do is estimate Andrea Manello's date of rulership by comparing him to the better recorded reigns of his successors. There's also questions as to how many of his purported achievements should actually be credited to Andrea Manello himself. You see, there is a common occurrence in historical study known as pseudepigraphy, in which specific actions, innovations, or quotes are falsely attributed to a well-known figure, either in an effort to give it more social credence or just because they're better known. As an example, medieval Muslim scholarship often dealt with pseudepigraphic hadith, or quotes falsely attributed to the Prophet Muhammad. These false hadith often originated from someone wanting to give their own view on a matter more weight by inventing a quote of the Prophet Muhammad supporting it, or by people hearing a quote that they considered very wise or enlightening, and therefore assuming that it must have come from a figure as wise and enlightened as the Prophet Muhammad. The association between Andrea Manello and some of his supposed innovations, such as ironworking, the creation or adoption of Sikili, for which he is alternately varied, or the offering of gifts at weddings, could have a similar origin. The association could have arisen through a case of someone asking, Hey, who invented Sikili? And the answer figuring, Uh, Andrea Manello's a well-known guy, so, uh, him, probably. Or it could be a well-known Sikili astrologer saying, Oh, you don't trust my positions? Well, the method I'm using was invented by the great and ever-wise King Andrea Manello himself, so yeah, I bet you feel dumb now. But, regardless of which achievements he should be accredited with, Andrea Manello's rule undoubtedly represented a major step forward in the formation and establishment of the Marina Kingdom. Due to his achievements in expanding his kingdom of Alasora and establishing power in the highlands, he is generally considered to be the first true king of Imerina. Although, like everything involving Andrea Manello, there is a valid question as to whether or not he did it first. After all, despite often being credited as the first king of Imerina, he never actually referred to his land by that name. In fact, the first king to call himself the ruler of Imerina would be who else but Andrea Manello's only son. Join us on our next episode as we explore the innovative and fascinating rule 
of Ralambo, aka Mr. Pig. Oh, and if you think these names are long and hard to pronounce, oh, just you wait. It's somehow going to get even harder. Thank you for listening to the History of Africa podcast. If you like the show and the free education we provide, then we would love it if you could support the show. You can do this through supporting us monetarily at patreon.com slash historyofafrica, providing the show with a rating or a view on whichever platform you listen on, or sharing the show with anyone who you think might be interested in learning more about African history. This episode is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Naomi Kanakia, Ayo Fagwamie, Morgan Blackmore, Sarah Penza, Dimitri, Manuel Zaudi, Alexander Travis, B.B. Milliam, Conrad Schwenke, Travis Bell, Johnny Knowles, Godfrey Sebalabie, Diz R.H., Evan Edwards, Pascalin Wakocha, Joe Maxwell, Nkechi Noabodike, Sheyuno Lorontimain, Kwacho Amankwa, Douglas Harder, Craig Bolton, and Samuel Badu, among others. Thank you all for supporting the show. It really, really means a lot.